Welcome to Call Sports. You have entered the zone called sports on another level. And now, here's your host, Cole Johnson. Cole Sports! I am that man, your man, the illustrious tour guide, Cole Johnson. And on this episode, we're going to talk about a quad, maybe throwing a monkey wrench into the defending champion's plans of winning another championship. The President's Cup champion in the NHL. I have some choice words about that. Of course, we're going to have the total of the week. We're going to put a special human being under Champions Personified. That is what's going to be in Upon Further Review. And of course, we're going to have From the Vault. It's going to be a little different. And I'll explain as I get to the headlines. Now, we're only going to do one headline. Because I feel as though hmm, the others aren't really worthy. And if you want to check the rest of the headlines that I have listed, you can just go to CoolSports.com. It is listed right there. But I'm going to talk about this one. Dateline Oakland. So the defending champs, they gathered the number one seed in the NBA's Western Conference. They are in their home stadium, or I should say home arena, the Oracle. In Oakland, California, yes, I am talking about the Dubs or the Golden State Warriors. Everything seemed so fine. They did their thing in game one against their first-round opponent, the eighth seed in the West, Los Angeles Clippers. But then a funny thing happened in the second game. Starting center, DeMarcus Cousins, was chasing a ball in the second quarter when all of a sudden he went down in a heap Clutching his thigh. Well, it turned out that he injured his quad. Thankfully, the quad is not torn enough to where he needs surgery. That is the good news, and I am so thankful for that. No matter what fan you are of any other team, you don't want to see a player get injured. And you definitely don't want to see that young man get injured because you want to see him do good, period. You want to see him have success, period. You could be a fan of any team. You could be a fan of the Lakers or the Clippers or the Celtics or the Bucks. It doesn't matter. You don't want to see a talent like that go down this way. Because the bad news is he is gone for the rest of this season. So the role that he played for the first three months of the team in the regular season, he's going to have to play, unfortunately, from this point on to when either they win the championship or when they get ousted from the playoffs. He will have to wear clothes on the bench and be the biggest cheerleader they have. My thoughts are really basic and simple. I dislike the fact that that he got injured, that he went down like this. I really cannot explain to you how horrible that makes me feel because it's going to change what the Warriors do. And the fun, the funny thing is, I was seeing in media back in February and a little bit of March how they were trying to discredit or I guess you could say chop at the possibility of Cousins making the team better. They were saying the team was worse. They were saying the team didn't score as much. And they were saying the team defensively couldn't get on track because of Cousins. But when he was off the floor, they scored more and they defended better. The thing about that is he came back 
middle of January. I want to say January 18th. You can check me on that VIP, but it was a middle of January, basically one month before the all-star break. It is unfathomable to think that in one month's time or six weeks time that a guy who has not played competitively in any sport for one solid calendar year can come back and make an impact that is like the machine that has been running now for its fifth year. Plus this was the first time he was playing on the court and not in a practice situation with these fool, with this group, with these group of people. This is the first time he was playing with them. So there's a feeling out process. There's a trust that builds. There's a, there's a need for understanding as to, okay, how does he like the ball? Does he like it down low? Does he like it in the key? Does he like it at the top of the key? Does he like it in the baseline? Does he like it behind the three-point arc? Turns out he can maneuver anywhere on the court offensively. And defensively, he's not too shabby either. You can't expect him to just come within a snap of a finger right back and he bounces up and it's nothing. Cousins is not a superman. Never was, never will be. What he is, though, was possibly the insurance policy for the most, I won't say feared, but I, I would say most concerned opponent for them, which would be the Houston Rockets. The possibility of them meeting in the conference semifinals is pretty imminent. That was the reason why Cousins got on board, because they, quite frankly, did not have a true answer for one Clint Capella. And so they figured if Capella had to defend more and if he had to defend a a player much in the same vein as a Dirk Nowitzki, he could pull him out the paint and Cousins could pull any big other big out the paint. Then it would basically make the lane a lot easier to penetrate down. Pause. It would make a lot of things a whole lot easier. It would make flow of the offense a lot better. You know, it would cause mismatches even more so than normal for the for the Warriors because the one thing that the Rocks can do that most other teams can't defensively, maybe not quite as good this year as last, but they can still do it the same. It's just like the Warriors. They can switch on defense. But it's hard to switch a big to a little because you need to have another big you can switch to. And the Rockets somewhat can do that, but their best big is really their best defender. And that is Capella. You take him away from the action, basically make him or make cousins a decoy ish sort of thing, sort of thing. It can make Thompson and Durant and Curry operate as freely as they normally do if they have to compete against other teams. So I really believe the move for Cousins to be on the Warriors was for that reason. It was for that need. And unfortunately, that need is gone. It's it's no longer there. It's no longer serviceable. You don't have that anymore. And it's unfortunate. Unfortunate from the standpoint of you have 28 other teams that, I mean, Cousins really didn't have to worry too much for. He probably would have probably would have liked the competition that the Bucks would provide in Giannis Antetokounmpo. Just for an example. 
or the Sixers with Joel Embiid and there's issues there. But make no mistake, Cousins was basically brought in mostly to be an insurance policy for the Rockets. And now that insurance policy is sitting on the sideline for the rest of this year. It's quite unfortunate. The other stories highlighted on headlines, it would be Zion Williamson. He is going to be in the NBA draft. What a shock. Like we didn't know that was going to happen. Vasil Lomachenko does it again. Stops Krola in the fourth round. He defends his lightweight belts successfully. Anthony Joshua, his U.S. boxing debut might be in jeopardy because his opponent decides to go the route of John Bones Jones and fail a drug test. (laughs) And as we have celebrated Jackie Robinson Day, April 15th, and the way the celebration happens is every team wears the number 42. Is there an issue with blacks and baseball now? Hmm. It's a good thought. And if you want to know the times, the places and the events of the 2019 regular season in NFL, it is posted on coldsports.com and you can see it and check it out for yourself. All 32 teams. So it doesn't matter. You can look at it and you get to see when and where your team plays all 16 games and the bye week. Oh, I'm sorry. And then there's Drake coming again short for another team. (laughs) Drake just needs not to root for a sports team ever. Later, the Tiger goes green once again for the fifth time. The Delta of the Week. Hmm. Might have a ring to it. May have an echo to it as well. But coming up next, I'm gonna go is going to receive the award for March 2019. Dope of the month. Playoff season, you normally have the remarkable and the unbelievable and the implausible happen, right? Well, 
we had that same thing happen in this year's playoffs. Not yet in the NBA. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the National Hockey League. The Stanley Cup playoffs started last week, and we already have the most surprising result happen. And we haven't even turned the calendar to May yet. And because of that, I'm going to go The Tampa Bay Lightning. 62 regular season wins. 128 points. The 62 wins is the most ever by any NHL team, and I forget which team it tied for that mark. And they were steamrolling into the Stanley Cup playoffs, and just about everybody had them pegged as the next Stanley Cup champion. Now, they've scratched and they clawed their way last year and the year before, much further than where they got bounced now. But and you almost saw the handwriting on the wall. Seemingly, the season being wrapped in the number one seed being sown, not just for the East, but for the whole league sown. The players eased off a bit, and I guess you pretty much saw the effort die down a bit. And then they got caught napping, because what the Lightning learned is that you cannot flick the switch on at any moment. Two L's in Tampa, and then they go to Columbus without their best player. Because before game three, Nikita Nikita Kucherov got suspended. So (laughs) it was a horrible, it was a night of horrors four straight times for the President's Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning. Of course, well, you can win the President's Cup, but that's not the one you want to hoist. You want to hoist that Stanley's Cup, Lord Stanley's Cup. So it got me to thinking, and I was like, okay, well, the, the overall number one seed being swept, that's a that's monumental. I, I can't clown anybody in saying this is probably the worst collapse in all the sports. It definitely is one of the worst collapses in hockey history, no question. And it could, it could compete with just about all of them in any sport. Take, for instance, the 91 Blackhawks. Now, they also won a President's Trophy Cup 28 years ago. Everything seemed to be fine. They had four Hall of Famers on their squad. They meet up with the North Stars. I'm sorry. They would be the Dallas Stars now. They had a sub-500 record. But they took that sub-500 record and they beat the Blackhawks in six games. So, six games, eh, it's not as embarrassing as a sweep. But still, number one seed and you lose to a sub-500 team, that's not all that good. Well, how about the 94 Sonics? Now, 
I personally remember that year as the one that brought Houston its first professional championship in about 30 plus years and the first professional championship for the Rockets led by Hakeem Olajuwon. But what people often forget was that the Rockets did not have the best record in the league that year. That title belonged to the Sonics and they looked primed to do masterful things. Remember you had the glove and you had the man child. I'm sorry for those who don't understand the glove is Kerry Payton. The man child is Sean Kemp. They were one of the best duos and they were young. They weren't quite in their prime yet, but they were getting their feelings and they were, they were, they were, they were going well. Won 63 games. They played 82 games in the NBA. So their record was 63 and 19. And then on top of it, they were up two games to none against their eighth seed, another sub 500 team, Denver Nuggets. And the team that was led by a defensive minded Dikembe Motombo. And remember the first round back in 94, they played in five games, not seven. They came back from an 0-2 deficit to beat them on their home floor. And they bounced the Sonics from there. And it was it seemed so promising and then it just ended with such silence. I still remember hearing nothing in that stadium but Dikembe when he's on the floor clutching the ball, screaming at the top of his lungs. I could viscerally hear it and I could visibly see it. And the silence was deafening. It was almost as if people were praying in church. It was that bad. Well, how about the 14 and 2 2005 Indianapolis Colts? Now, everybody thought they were, they were shooing for not only a Super Bowl appearance, but a Super Bowl championship, considering that they were on the rise and they were getting brushed aside by their rivals, the New England Patriots. After all, the two previous years, they got bounced by them. Well, they had no Patriots worried this year, and everything was almost a clear path for them, except the offense didn't show up when they played the eventual Super Bowl champion Steelers. They went down 14 to nothing. The Colts did fight back valiantly. But a Vanderjack errant field goal from a point blank range ended their season's hopes of Super Bowl championship glory 2118. Then there's the 2007 Dallas Mavericks. Now, I, I love Dirk Nowitzki. This was his MVP year, and everything seemed to be all aligned with them. 67 wins, everything was good. And then. Now, mind you, by then, they played the first round seven games again. So they met up with the, it's funny we're talking about the Warriors, met up with the Warriors that year, led by Baron Davis, and they lost in six games, did the Mavericks. And people really thought, well, this is going to be nothing but the Mavericks going all the way to the championship. Of course, they ended up being the Spurs who won it. And then there's the perennial great regular season team, horrible playoff team, Washington Capitals. And it sort of started here in 2010. So they got the Presence Trophy. 
And then they were up three games to one against the Montreal Canadiens. And then what made it even worse was that they lost games five and seven, both on home ice, by one goal. And I think this started the bad stomach feeling for the Capitals until last June because it just was a prevalent thing. It was like, okay, you have this great regular season team and then they just tank so bad in the playoffs. Now, later it would be that they would get bounced time and time again by the, by the Penguins. But the playoff jinx, I guess you could say, that was the Capitals and the Stanley Cup playoffs started in 2010. And I mean, I could go on. I mean, like the 2011 Packers, they were 15 and one, the best regular season that perennial and multiple time MVP winner Aaron Rodgers had. But after their bye, they host the Giants, the then <laughs> eventual Super Bowl champs. And with the thud, with a sickening thud, like it was four years prior when they met the Giants in the same spot, Lambeau Field, they go down to the Giants 37-20. And really, that team hasn't been the same since, although they have advanced further one of the times since then, the Packers really haven't been the same. Now, I can go on and on with different other comparisons. But there was a question that was posed. They said, I would like for you to tell me what is, I would like to, I would like for you to tell me a worse defeat in professional sports history. And there's one I can easily come off the top of the head with. Mike Tyson being knocked out by Buster Douglas in the Tokyo Dome 29 years ago. Now, there's a slight doubt in my mind that the Lightning could lose. There was a slight, there was a there was slight, optimis, slight optimism for me that the Blue Jackets could beat the Lightning. There was no chance I thought Douglas was going to beat Tyson. And if anybody said that there was a slight chance that he would, you would have to be his mother, his father, his family. His training staff. I would excuse it if it's any of them. Anybody else, I would call you a flat out liar. Nobody thought Tyson was going to lose that bout. And in the 10th round, he was searching for his mouthpiece. So it's not about competition as to what's worse. Because my jaw didn't drop when I saw the lightning got swept. I grunted. I was like, ooh, and winced a little because you see a team that just ruled for six months get dominated in one week by the same team. I mean, it's that that's a wince worthy moment. But hopefully the Lightning can learn from the mistakes that they had this week and last. And they could also learn from the lessons that they've had in their previous pursuits in the playoffs toward the Stanley Cup final because they were knocking on the door a couple of years. So maybe they can build on these uh, setbacks and they can bounce back strong. Take the example of the 2018 Capitals who they 
were considered talent-wise the better team year after year, and then they would get bounced out the playoffs year after year. And then with a team that was not even considered to be good, they come and they knock the socks off of everybody en route to seeing one of the greatest celebrations of any professional sports championship I've ever seen. Because I would want to have the Capitals win the Stanley Cup again just so I could see Alex Ovechkin celebrate in DuPont Circle the way he did last June. I would clamor to see that again. But hopefully the Lightning can learn their lessons, they can lick their wounds, and they can become better champions for this because, well, the alternative is worse because they could take this and then sink further and further down the abyss that is the NHL seller. Because this could be one of those debilitating losses, one of those hard-on-the-chin punches that you take. But I hope that they learn a valuable lesson here. When I come back, the dolt of the week. <laughs> that is next. You've tuned into the classiest sports show on the planet. Cold Sports! From the vault, a look back at a key moment in sports history. April 20th, 1986. The man known as Air, Michael Jordan, comes back from a season-riddled injury season and puts on a performance that was a harbinger of things to come. In Game 2 in the Boston Garden, Jordan puts on a virtuoso performance, scoring 63 points in a double overtime tilt. Now, during the postgame press conference, Larry Bird, the opposition, said about Jordan that it was, quote, God in sneakers. Close quote. In regards to his performance. Now, Bird could talk about that in much jovial manner because the Celtics was the one that walked away with the victory 135-131 in double overtime. Now, what did that mean? Well, we knew that this was a guy who knew how to play the game. We got the chance to learn how much of a champion he is starting five years later. Michael Jordan shows us what we're about to see in his NBA career, scoring 63 points. In game two of the 1986 NBA first round Eastern Conference series between the Bulls and the Celtics on this date. From the vault, brought to you by Cole Sport.
Cold Sports. Cold Johnson here. We just gonna cut the music right now. Get to it. Come on now. Don't of the week. Sponsored by nobody, but we're still going to give it to you straight with no chaser. The winner of this episode's Dota of the Week is... No, 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 no. Cut the beast, cut the beast. The winners of Dota of the Week are... Eagles cornerback Jalen Mills and the former Wizards Devin Robinson. Now I know I will go with the who thing, but I'm not going to go with that. Yes, I know these names are unfamiliar to you and barely familiar to me. However, they're on this list because this past weekend, these two were in a nightclub in D.C. So they were getting their drink on. They were getting there to step on. Everything was all good, or so we thought. When these two decided to get into a tussle, and they were arrested and charged with disorderly conduct for fighting outside the nightclub. So (laughs) they must have argued in the club, got drunk and tipsy, and then they went outside. They wanted to prove themselves to be manly and throw bony punches toward one another. Now, how the police describe it. There was a verbal dispute that happened outside of the opera ultra lounge around three in the morning. And then it got from verbal to physical on the sidewalk. Now, both the wizards and Eagles organizations acknowledged that the situation happened and they released different statements of that nature. Now I'm not going to read whatever they said. You just see it for yourself. So overnight they were detained and Robinson, I guess he was getting them hands a little harder than Mills were. He was taken to a DC area hospital to receive treatments for his injuries. Now these are two fringe players, basically two fringe players. So fringe that the, Wizards decided to say, okay, yeah, you know that contract that you have, you you signed to us for two years, well, your second year, <clears throat> gone. Now, the Eagles haven't done the same with Mills yet, but we know the NFL will do something with it. Is the trim that good or that bad to where you have to fight over it? Because I'm sure that's why you fought over it. You, you couldn't be because, well, I'm tall and you're small. I don't think it's, well, I have I have good threads and you don't. I'm not thinking, well, I got the stacks and you don't because, well, neither one of you really have stacks. You may have some money. You may have more money than, than the regular Blow Joe does, but, uh, yeah, neither one of you we know about. So if it's not about money, it's not about prestige, it's not about clothes, then it has to be for one other thing. A woman! Now, they didn't say this in the USA Today article. I just happen to know how it is. So I'm sure y'all had a girl is mine moment when you thought that this wonderful woman came came upon you both 
And then one of you said, oh, I got a holler at her. And the other said, I got a holler at her. And so you all spat game and then the game got toxic. And I think that pretty much talks from step one to step 20 as to what happened last weekend at the club. Because if you all were fighting just to see which long was bigger, that's even more idiotic. You two are grown young men. You don't even have the audacity to even think about fighting. What was the point? Look, if the if if the woman liked one over the other, just simply say, you know what, player, all you, I'm bouncing. I think I can find another woman who captures my fancy. No, no. You had to reduce yourselves both to around 10 and fight for the honor of the woman. And I hope the woman that you fought for looked at both of you and said, <laughs> bye suckers and left. Because I think that's pretty much what happened. I really wish I had more to say about this, but I really don't. But I will, I will close here. What do fisticuffs get you? Did it get you the girl? No. Did it get you more well-known? No. Did it get you the victory in the fight? No. Even with Mills saying that, well, I didn't get damaged as much as Robinson did, so I handled my biz. Okay. You may have handled your biz, as you would say, but (laughs) you spent the same amount of time in jail that he did. So you fought for the girl, didn't win her. You got down in public. Outside of establishment, you got down in the middle of the street, not necessarily technically in the middle of the street, but you got down the sidewalk of a street and you got thrown in jail. And Robinson got subsequently released. So what did you profit? What did you gain from showing this showing this masculinity burst? That you did not want to have this guy infringe upon you in whatever way, shape, form, or fashion that it happened. Sons, you all have a bigger responsibility than the jersey that you put on your bodies. You see, you got little boys and little girls looking at you. Some of them even looking up to you. Now, now most may not know your name, but some I'm thinking in the D.C. area and in the Philly area might know you too. How does it look when you are supposedly or an upstanding, outstanding person, you have a big platform such as the NBA and the NFL, and you decide to fight in public? That is behavior unbecoming of a man. That is behavior unbecoming of a professional. And that's a behavior unbecoming of a gentleman. And there's a difference difference between being a gentleman and being adult. And unfortunately, I see a basketball player and a football player not exhibiting gentleman-like behavior. The heck you two doing fighting in the street? You're not performing a rap video. Good God, that's ridiculous, man. <laughs> Just when I think athletes can't do anything more comical stories like these just seem to come in my purview go figure when I come back 
we're hearing a roar again, mighty, and on the golf course. Champions personified of Upon Further View Perfect. is next. to you right and exact coming to you with the strength <laughs> of three fools oh yeah which one of the three fools is gonna be the ultimate fool in this quarter we'll find out later this week Cold Sports presents to you the first of 2019. Dogged of the quota. episode of cold sports we're gonna talk a little bit about round two or the stanley cup second round and the nba conference semifinals we'll touch a little bit on those things we'll touch a little bit on the nfl because the draft is coming we'll touch a little bit on major league baseball their first month has been completed we'll see what's shaking and what's not of course we're going to Go from the vault, go in on the subject, have it upon further view, and of course we're going to have adult of the week, the last one for the month of April. And thank you for your future, uh, future and current patronage. Cold Sports really appreciates the brand expanding, and we want to expand just for you. The Patreon is waiting for you. Dive in and enjoy yourselves. But that's for later. For now, though. I will go on record right now and saying that we saw this Sunday the best sports story of 2019. Things can happen, yes, in within the upcoming eight plus months to follow. But what happened on April 14th, 2019, I really believe that we have stumbled upon the greatest sports story of the year because it's one of the greatest sports stories of the ages and I'm so glad to talk about it and upon further review Without further ado, Cole Sports proudly presents to you Champion Personify. 
So it was the U.S. Open 2008, June 16th, 2008. Out in San Diego, California, Torrey Pines. We were seeing a, a champion for the ages battle because he was hurting a little bit. And he wore the familiar scene, the sight. The black fitted, the black slacks, the red shirt with the swoosh on the left. Yeah, it was Tiger Woods basically basically saying that he smelled blood. He was coming for victory. And as is normal for him, if he's in the hunt, he puts on the red shirt on a Sunday. And for many of those times, it has been one of those intimidating presences that you would see in sports. You would actually see this guy wear the shirt and people would wilt (laughs) because the pressure of this guy being a big time money player shown itself to be true. And 13 times before then, he did show himself to be true. And he did this time. This was the 14th major championship for one Eldridge Tiger Woods little did we know that the next time we would say major champion Tiger Woods would be 10 years and almost 10 months later because the following year after that His Escalade was rammed into a a pole. It was found out that he cheated on his, his wife, now former wife. He mentally suffered from the debilitative state of being divorced. I know how that feels personally because it's like the Ghetto Boy song. Minds do play tricks on you in divorces. He tried to get back from it and then his body started to fail him. And he had not one, not two, but three corrective back surgeries to get him back to at least walking shape. And mind you, we could debate about greatest golfers of all time. There really has not been a golfer more fit in the history of the sport than Tiger Woods because he trained like he was like a Michael Jordan (laughs) or a LeBron James. I mean, he trained that way he trained like he was playing competitive sports that's just how he got down so here he is trying to bounce back and he and he falls down tries to bounce back and he falls down has embarrassing moments such as having a mugshot of him after he was caught with his head buried in his steering wheel looking like he's high or drunk. It was to the point where we heard prognosticators and golf fans and even golf casualists alike say there's no way the Tiger's going to win any other major championship. And it uh, and it got even worse. It got to the point where people said people said that Tiger's not going to win another tournament major or not. And so I remember, I think it was last year, I was in a a Facebook 
sports group room. And I can't remember which one, but the question was posed. Do you think Tiger will win another major championship? And for those of you who don't know what a major is or a grand slam. <laughs> all right. In tennis, you have four grand slams, Australian Open, U.S. Open, French Open, Wimbledon. In golf, you have similar. They don't really call it Grand Slam all that much. They sometimes do, but most times they call it majors. You have the U.S. Open, the British Open, or they call it the Open, the PGA Championship, and then the one that Tiger has pretty much dominated, the Masters. The tournament where if you win, you may get a trophy and all, but you really win a green jacket. Sort of like a Hall of Fame in NFL. No, I'm sorry. Pro Football Hall of Fame. So you put on a jacket after you win the tournament. And before this weekend, Tiger owned four of them. People were saying that he wasn't going to win another tournament or win another major. And I said, yeah, he'll win another one. Because my thought was, okay, when it comes to golf, he's automatic. All he has to do is just find whatever it is he has to find in, in, in terms of his game, tweak it, and then he will probably become competitive again. And that's exactly what he did. He's not the big hitter that he was. He doesn't take as many risks as he did circa 1997 or 98 or 99 or 2000, where his power game, his long game basically was the stuff of legend to where it's like, well, hmm. He doesn't really have to be a a master putter because he could just knock the ball close to the close to the pin that (laughs) heck all he has to do. If it's a if it's a if it's a five if it's a five stroke hole, all he has to do is just hit hit the ball solid twice. And he could probably tap it in for uh, for a double bar. So. Those are the things. That Tiger used to do. And so he had to figure out that he can't do that all the time. He could probably pull it out of his hat every now and then. But he had to do like what I guess the greats all did. The Arnold Palmers, the Jack Nicholas's, the Tom Watsons. They had to, when they got older, say, okay, well, maybe my total strength can't do it. Maybe my putt game can't do it. Maybe the fact that I can't. Because the one thing that Tiger did more brilliantly that I've ever seen any golfer do is hit his way out of bunkers. Maybe that skill is gone. But I could probably tighten all of those up a little bit. I may not be able to hit the ball as long as I used to, but I could place it a little better. And now, since these putts are going to have to count, I'm going to have to be better at the putting game. And that's exactly what Tiger did. And so little by little, he was tweaking his game and tweaking his game and tweaking his game. And as almost all of us thought, well, okay, well, it just isn't going to happen, Tiggs. Good. We, we love your effort, but no, you keep getting bounced from these tournaments. You don't even make the cut at half of these tournaments. It's just not happening. The game has passed you by. You know, we, we're rooting for the, the, the Brooks Capas and the Roy McElroys. You know, <laughs> we're not even thinking about you anymore. The Jordan Speeds. We're not even thinking about you anymore. We're, we've gone on to the next generation. And Tiger's like, no. No, I'm not done yet. 
to the point where the last big tournament of the year, which was not a major, he won. And it looked so magnificent because you saw the energy. And I mean saw. You saw the energy and you definitely heard it and felt it as he was walking to the 18th putting green. So he already hit a shot and he already was approaching the hole. So he's making that walk and you see the gallery following him and you hear them roarious, uproariously cheering for him. Almost as if he was like a conquering hero. And it was a great moment. And they were cheering as if we won't, we won't see this again. We hope we see it again. We don't think we will. And I think that tournament was November. So we fast forward five months later. And here he is on Friday getting to within a shot of the lead. Then he does good on Saturday. He puts himself in position. But it looks like there's another one. The defending champion, uh, Fresca, uh, Francesco Molinari, looks like he is going to stave off the challenge of one Tiger Woods. Because the one-shot lead that Moresca had grew to two. And so here we are. The Sunday of the Masters. And it looks all good on the, on, on the front nine for Moresca. Looks like he's holding them off. And then on, I think it was the 12th hole, an errant shot from the tee opened the door for the master of the masters. Tiger pounced on it and history was made six holes later. To the point where all he had to do was bogey the 18th hole and he would have still won the championship. He didn't have to make par. <laughs> he could he could have bogeyed the hole and, and bogey means I think that hole it took four shots to make par M- basically saying that okay this hole is supposed to be four shots that, that you sink it from the tee to the hole you would sink it in less shots then you get more points you sink, you sink it in more shots you get points deducted from your total so in a four shot in a four shot hole of the 18th Tiger could have gone five holes. So he went four. He he parred the hole. But he was looking for that major exclamation point. He was he was in shot of it because he got he got to the putting green and he hit the shot. It looked like it was online to be in the hole, and all of a sudden it just skirted off a little bit to the right. And Tiger was in position to do that fist pump that we all love to see that we haven't seen really in about we I don't even we saw that much 2008 I would say probably 2004 2005 maybe 2006 you know we were starting to see that energy come back again but it didn't matter when he sucked that makeable putt it was as if he did to the fist pump it was as if he gave us that rocket fuel it was as if he gave us that magical moment because guess what he did his 15th major championship 
to me, is his most impressive one because the other 14, he didn't have to come from behind to do it. He held a lead and held on to it. He fought from behind the whole tournament until the back nine on Sunday. I mean, it's now to the point where President Trump, you can like him, you can hate him, doesn't matter. He's still president of the United States. He's going to award him a Presidential Medal of Honor because of, well, the story I just told, the fact that he was a champion, he fell hard from grace, he fought back, he fell down, he fought back again, he fell down again, he fought back again, fell down again, and then he rose back up, and now golf is back in the spot where it should be because of this guy who is the transcendent figure of the sport and you can throw all those other prominent iconic golf names at me and I said this Nicholas has achieved more he's accomplished more than any other golfer in the history of the sport but Tiger Woods is the biggest name in sports history in terms of golf because of the things that he did and the things that he spurned after his presence I say this often Jack Nicholas, it's like Bill Russell stacked rings stacked rings stacked rings Tiger Woods it's like Michael Jordan he came at a time where he motivated so many different people to do the same as he did sparked so many different people the thing the difference between Jordan and Tiger is that Jordan played a game that we pretty much knew you know we we had an understanding as to what basketball was we just didn't see it as graceful and as artistic as he did before he had his stage with the Bulls now we see it almost on a every moment occasion Tiger Woods, we weren't grabbing the, the, the golf clubs before him. And if we did, it would be more along the lines of, okay, we'll entertain it for a bit. And then, hmm. It was cool to knock the ball around. It was cool to get a drink. And then, hmm, that's a good day. After Tiger Woods won the 1997 Masters, you literally saw people 8 to 80. All colors, all races, all all backgrounds, both genders, take up the clubs in record number because people wanted to be like Tiger. It was as if he gave permission for us all, whether you like his politics, his friends or not, or his his position on what he thinks as a man of his stature or not. It doesn't matter. He gave people permission to love playing the sport. And we see it again. So on behalf of Cold Sports, we congratulate you, Tiger. Thank you so much for giving us another enthralling moment on the golf course. And we pray that your 15th will not be your last. Tiger, we salute you. Thank you for giving us a wonderful moment. 
on your road back to prominence. And now I guess the next things are to win at least four more majors and to become the number one golfer in the world again. Considering that you have tasted being the 1,000th, 199th ranked golfer. Being number one, I don't think is much of a problem or a task for you. We congratulate you, sir. You're one of the greatest to ever do it in any sport or game ever invented. Thank you for giving us another championship moment. If you happen to like this episode or any episode you've heard thus far, you will see the subscribe button on ColdSportsWithAZ.com and you will see so many aspects of that subscribe button. Click any of those options and you can listen to Cold Sports on those major platforms. Or you can listen to it on ColdSportsWithAZ.com as well. Now, if you want exclusive content only that Cold Sports provides... You want to say it with your chest. You want to reach out to us through email. You want this voice or this brand to represent your commercial or voiceovers. You want to join the private Facebook group? Come on down. And you want to hear guest appearances. And I have I have many and I will have many more. Or you feel the need that you need to heal from heartbreak and loss. Or you want to hear other interviews from other platforms that I do. Come on down to ColdSportsWithAZ.com. That's ColdSportsWithAZ.com. You can get all of this and more on ColdSportsWithAZ.com. And I only ask for not one, not two, three simple things. Love yourself with all of your heart, mind, and spirit, and love your neighbor as yourself. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend about this particular program and enjoy the content. For the Intelligent Sportsman, I am Cole Johnson, and this is... Cole Sports! You've been listening to Cole Sports with Cole Johnson.